Welcome to the What I'm Games is the podcast, the podcast where we am the games and the such and the whatnots. And we're going to talk to you about these games. What do you want to know about games? We're talking about them. Here we go. <laughs> I, didn't realize, uh, I didn't realize Steve Brule was uh, hosting this podcast. <laughs> this is just hit you up. We got a sidebar at the table for some Brule's rules. <laughs> I know, uh, you gotta slur a little less and uh, enunciate a little more. <laughs> How about this? Hello, welcome to What Am the Games podcast, where it's a podcast about what am and the games that we am. I'm the man. Either less or more. I'm not I'm not sure which. (laughs) But the games podcast with the games and the what's and we're gonna do it for the talking to you. There, I said it. Now we can move on. (laughs) Uh for the record, I genuinely loved all of those. I was getting some Rick and Morty vibes in there. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about that all week. I've been writing it and lying awake at night. Yeah, you know, crafting it. I, you know, I pitched it to a couple people. You know, most common response I got was "What?" But I take that as a good thing. Keep them on their toes. Yeah, agreed. I concur. Uh, I guess our brand is confusion and slurring. <laughs> Should I start drinking at noon for this? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's 5 o'clock somewhere. 5 o'clock in the UK. Yeah, that's right. And since we use a lot of UK products, it's really only appropriate. Let's get pissed. That should be our, like, our, our, like, welcome to the What Am Game podcast. Let's get pissed. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta like really lean into that and make the make pissed into like three or four different values like let's get pissed let's get pissed <laughs> anyway this week we're we're covering some topics that are uplifting i had a hard week so i was like Let's put some fun stuff together to talk about some nice stuff, good feely stuff. So let's feel good and talk about stuff. And the first thing we're going to talk about is people in the gaming community that inspire us. It can be a YouTuber, blog poster, Twitch streamer, it doesn't matter as long as it's someone who is in this community and inspires you to continue to play or paint or do whatever your part of this hobby is. So We'll start with Jane. My uh, my inspirational dude is a uh, Squidmar Miniatures, who mostly I encounter him on YouTube. But uh, you know, like like a lot of people, I have turned to YouTube for help and inspiration as I've been getting back into this hobby over the last year. And like, it seems like he has a video for everything. First of all, 
He's got a whole bunch of stuff on airbrushing. He's got stuff on wet palettes. He's got advanced techniques like non-metal metallics and object source lighting. And he's got simpler things too, like how do you get your start collecting box ready as quickly as possible, which is a video of his that I've watched recently. And it, it made me uh, put a lot of thought into how I'm going to paint my Drakari. He's funny. He's got a great just kind of vibe, honestly. Like you can tell he just loves the hobby. And uh, oh, yeah. He's got, he's got his own brushes, which I haven't used, but I'm sure they're amazing because I can't imagine him putting his name on something that isn't. Yeah, I've been wanting to get some, but I have enough brushes. We have enough brushes. Same as dice. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, since we're, since we're switching things up, Mike, why don't you go next? Because you usually <gasps> go last. So my, my person uh, who inspires me in the community is Brent from Goobertown Hobbies. And as much as I like to imitate Brent, I'm not going to in fear of people thinking that I'm making fun of him. I'm not. I just love the way his voice, like, it's a very, like, soft-spoken kind of, can be monotonish sometimes, actually, most of the time, but not in a bad way. It's very soothing, and he's always got, like, really good advice for beginners, people who are doing the hobby in a in a practical way. You know, I feel like a lot of uh, painting channels try and shoot for the moon with everything, and when I watch Goobertown Hobbies, I'm just reassured that not everything has to be perfect. Not everything has to be showcased display case standard painting sometimes the fun of it is just making the mistakes and figuring it out as you go along and he's just been great and he's got the i think it's called goobertown roulette i don't know it's a it's a grab bag series where basically he puts these little miniatures into um brown paper bags and then does like a blind pull and has to paint them according to um a certain like either he rolls dice or draws cards from a magic deck you know like to figure out the color schemes and whatnot and um it's it's a lot of fun it gives you something to challenge yourself with and to do something different and it's it's great and he's great and i really appreciate him going into the science behind how glues work and how paint works and like all this stuff because he's a chemist first and foremost <laughs> so it's cool that's great yeah i'll have to check him out i have not watched any goober town but I like science. I've seen him before. I've not watched a lot of his videos. I do like that roulette thing. He's by far one of my favorite and most consistently viewed creators when I just want to like chill and paint or just want to enjoy the hobby. A lot of times when I watch stuff, it's to teach me something. And I do learn a lot from his videos, but I'm not like going into them searching for specific knowledge. I'm just going in to watch what he's doing and how he does it and then pick it up from there. Whereas, you know, other times I'm like, I need to know how to get this red down right. And then, you know, I'll go and watch a video on how to do reds and highlight that. But yeah. Nice. That's a good one. I, I find it interesting because the, uh, the person I'm going to talk about also goes into the science of paint. Like he's done that before. It's kind of interesting that we both pick people who uh, teach various aspects, not just art. Yeah. Like what a perfect first. segue. Tell us about it, Kurt. Okay. So I've already I've already dropped this name a couple times on the previous uh, sessions, and I promise I will not drop his name every single session. I will move on, I promise. But uh, Jason Craze. 
just I just love the man. He, he's great. He's just great people. He has a Twitch channel, which is currently called Monument underscore Slow Fuse, because it used to be called Slow Fuse Gaming. He used to work for GW. He was a um, like an international sales manager for them and like traveled the country. He invented like the color scheme for the Soul Drinkers, the original one. He's won awards in uh, Golden Demons and uh, Crystal Brush. And then he moved on from all that stuff. And he used to build custom Harleys in the middle of Arizona. And now he got back into painting and teaching. And he's so giving of his time. For example, like, he, he paints in a very particular style, but he has no problems with pausing what he's doing and, and showing like different ways to do the same thing. If you understand what I mean, um, you can get to the same end result going multiple paths when it comes to art. You can go the GW method, which is base color, shade down, then highlight up. You can go from darkest color all the way up to highlight, or or you could put all your highlights on and then add shade in at the end, which some people do. So either way, you get to a painted miniature. The thing with Jason is he does everything based on values. So he will do his zenithal highlighting, but he'll do it in shades of black, grays, and whites. He'll spend all the time setting up the mini with every shade of color. Like, so where every shadow is already placed, every highlight's already placed in black, gray, and white. Then he uses really thin glazing techniques to uh, just get this uniform blended color that's uh, it's, it's so great. Like I said, he's a really good teacher in that if he's in the middle of painting a huge mini on his Twitch channel and someone's like, hey, how do you load your brush or how do you thin your paint? He will pause everything, turn the camera over to his palette and show how he glazes. Because when I used to glaze, I used to just throw water into paint until it was really, really thin and um, almost transparent. If you put too much water into paint, you could break the paint. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, what's breaking paint? That brings us back to science that uh, Mike was talking about. That paint's a polymer plastic, and you put too much water in it, the polymer breaks, and all the pigment separates out. I would say every couple weeks, he has to pause what he's painting and reteach something. He's already taught all the rest of his viewers, but he always takes the time to teach a new person, you know, what he's about, what he's doing. And add on top of that, he helped run two conventions. He helped uh, set up GW tournaments for Adepticon. He made his own brushes. So we have affordable sable brushes. He made his own paint line and on and on and on. It's just all giving back to the community and all teaching. And he's even traveled to cons, set up airbrushing tutorials and taught people like on the spot how to paint an airbrush. He's just really, really great person. Um, again, he's on Twitch TV. He does take those episodes from Twitch TV and put them on his YouTube. And he has a whole hobby community blog. When we're talking about community members, uh, he used to have Whip Wednesday. Every Wednesday on his Twitch channel would paint for half hour or so. And then, okay, that has to dry. Now let's talk about what you guys have been painting. And he'd have a uh, go to his website and you'd be able to put in what you were painting. And he would do critiques like, okay, you, you're pushing the color here really well. Think about adding an extra highlight here or hey, did you mix this color yourself? And he would take time to give back to the community while stuff was drying, while he was uh, doing other things. So Jason Craze is my, he's my man crush in the in the, uh, in the community. Honestly, he sounds like goals. Like, amazing. I'm going to check him out. Yeah. During that whole time, because I've, I've been on his, his Twitch channel for like six years now. So six months after he started Twitch is when I signed up. I actually know I'm one of the first 10 people to follow him on Twitch. The whole time too, like he met his girlfriend, they moved in together. And so, like, you have this whole, like, he taught her to paint. So now she's painting also with him half the time. And she's gone from never painting a miniature to, like, doing stunning work on the, like, split screen next to him. And it's like, oh, my God. That's so cute. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty lovely. I like that. Check him out. 
It's great people. Check all of our guys out, actually, because they all sound like great people and they all are good people. Mm-hmm. And next time we do this, we're all going to pick women because, you know, we're not picks. <laughs> oh, I agree. We've got a few lined up in there. I have a couple I could think of, but I don't want to name names now because, you know. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just dump all our content in the first three episodes. Then we're, then we're not going to have anything else to do. Oh, we could tell war stories mm-hmm. about games. But it is in a similar fashion. We'd also like to talk about our favorite hobby video from this past week. Like what video stuck with you guys the most or made you laugh the most or even cry a little or or, or opened up the the cockles in your heart to just let it all in. I don't know. (laughs) Tell me about it. Oh, I want to keep the uh, same order as before. Same order. All right, cool. <laughs> so uh, the the video that I've watched most recently that really stuck with me is uh, from Ninjon, N-I-N-J-O-N. That's how you spell Ninjon. He is a, a relatively new miniature YouTuber, but this one really caught my eye. He's gotten really good at clickbaity titles. So this one is uh, destroying $200 in Warhammer to create a custom model. And it's a kit bashing video. He uh, goes through all of the steps and his process in making his own kit bashed take on the uh, Chaos Defiler, because he did not like the GW model for it. And what I really enjoyed about this video is that he talks a lot about his thought processes, about how he was integrating these models together. He breaks down the tools that he uses. He uh, particularly talks about sprue goo, which is a thing that I had like kind of heard of before, but never really done research into uh, and will definitely be making up some for myself in the near future. That's a, Essentially, when you just dissolve a bunch of your extra plastic sprues in thin plastic cement to make like a thicker plastic cement, it's apparently really good for filling in gaps. Who knew? Ninjon did. And now I do, too. Um, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) super fun video. um, And it's just it's great to watch something go from concept to finished product. And uh, I also just really appreciate Ninjon's production values. Uh, he has a silly sense of humor, and he always puts like little goofy sketches in the beginning of his videos, starring only him, like playing different characters. So he's definitely a funny guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's my it's my inspiring YouTube video that stuck with me this week. Ninjon's destroying two hundred dollars in Warhammer to create a custom model. It's been on my uh, recommended views list for like this whole week, and I'm like, I should watch that, but I haven't got around to it. Now I will. It's- yeah, you absolutely should. I think it might be his like highest viewed video so far too. It's climbing up to almost two hundred thousand. It's his best wow. clickbait title, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, oh my, I you? know I said same order. I know I did. But Kurt, <laughs> talk to me. Okay. No, no, it makes sense because I'm also going to be talking about a um a kit bashing video. Um, I recently came across uh Wargamer Pete. Or Pete the Wargamer, sorry. Pete the Wargamer. That's his uh, YouTube channel. And he does not break $200 models. He actually sometimes tries to come up with cheaper ways to do it, though he he does admit, he's like, hey, you know, we could totally cut out this model and just use these parts, but this looks cooler, so you know, save money or don't save money. He recently had a video that I liked so much that I went out and 
bought the models and tried it myself, um, which was actually rather expensive. But um, he had a, uh, the video was on Tellern Desert Raiders. And I probably said that wrong. Tellern, it's T-A-L-L-A-R-N. So Tellern, Tellern. But they're basically like uh, like chic warriors in a desert world that's heavy duty with tank uh, warfare. So originally they were mounted on horses back in the old days when you could actually buy these models, but you can't buy them anymore because GW doesn't make them. I found a secondary market that makes the heads and weaponry for the Raiders. So the models are basically uh, guardsmen on motorcycles, dirt bikes, with chic heads, beards, and scimitars, or chain swords shaped like scimitars. And um, I think it was a really successful kit bash, what I made. And the video itself was really, really good, though I used parts from different places. We, uh, we used the same basis for the motorcycles. But everything else, I went a different route. And he has a new video out that just came out yesterday that I haven't watched yet. Features my favorite army of all time. I used to be a big fantasy player, which is um, the Skaven, which are rat men. Uh, I love rats. I don't know why, but, but I do. And they have uh, Giselle teams. Giselles are these super long rifles that require two rats, one to fire it, one to hold the barrel on his shoulder to aim it. And he kit-bashed a Giselle team. So I want to watch that video, but I'm planning that for later today. And now, Mike, you can't get away because you're the only one left. No, no. My favorite hobby video this week um, is not my favorite because of the actual content of the video. Midwinter Minis has been doing like streams pretty much like once a week, maybe twice a week, I think. I'm not sure. I haven't been fully keeping up with it, but I was sitting down to paint and I saw that he had a stream going on and I decided to pop in and um there were some i can't remember exactly what he said but uh like a, a user you know posted something and then i posted something and it was all very funny and the same and his uh partner because i don't know if they're married or whatever his partner penny she's super pregnant but she was answering the uh you know the stream chat stuff that was floating on by there and it was it was it was interesting because i got you know called out a couple times in a good way you know like they're like hey laughing at this and talking about that and he said this and that so it was it was fun if you pop in there you might hear my handle being dropped every now and then and i i was telling uh, jane this earlier and i was like now i think i understand the whole appeal of these live streams dem kids are doing these days that's really part of it. that's what i liked about when i first encountered slow fuse i was really really into twitch and um not twitch for video gaming but twitch for creatives for um Wargame painters. I learned so much and became friends with all these people. Because you're you're talking to them on the sidebar. You're talking to the guy who's doing the painting. It, it's it's very very community centric. Well, what gets me though is like I, I watch some of these uh, streamers and they're like one person in a room alone most of the time. I like that this was two people because you had one person who was really able to keep up with the chat and respond properly while the other one got to focus on what they were doing. Um, with one person being in the room, like I get this weird like isolated feeling myself of like I'm just sitting there talking kind of like right now I'm just sitting here talking to nobody and I'm just talking to my computer <laughs> and you know like I can hear you guys which makes it better because these people who are streaming can't hear you they just read you if they can like it's it's a very strange dynamic uh but it, it's fun I like it yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with, uh, you know, the, the feeling isolated and weird. Um, yeah, it's especially especially in these quarantines when social activities are at a premium, shall we say. 
I think, uh, you know, any, any outlet that we can get that feels like, you know, you're coming together with other people is, is a good one to have. So what I'm trying to say is I'm glad you had a nice time on that stream. Thanks, buddy. That's good. I mean, community's good. I'm used to being alone a lot, but my God, if I didn't have my D&D games at least, you know, once a week, twice a week. And ever since we went over to, uh, you know, the, the pandemic actually made gaming happen even more often. I was, I was gaming so much that we actually had to quit games because it was too much. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah, like Roll20 is a lifesaver. It's like funny because I, I could spend a whole week and not talk to anyone. Not really be worried about it. But at the same time, like, uh, if I didn't have any gaming whatsoever to look forward to or, or something, like even something like just like this, just having you guys' voices in my ears for a couple minutes, it, it like really does help. Yeah, for sure absolutely i hope that when this is all published and people are listening to it it's also helping them out i mean hopefully we'll be long past quarantine times same time i still hope that this helps out it says since your fan mail to the p.o box post office listed on this here place what am games p.o box what am games at <laughs> what am games connecticut p.o box at p.o box post office connecticut <laughs> told me this gag so therefore i will sit out <laughs> <laughs> like i just find it funny like like it just gets put out like a bulletin somewhere it's like the post office sending out a thing it's like there's just the connecticut postmaster um we got a lot of these packages for what am games and it's just simply addressed to post office post box post office um we don't know what that means <laughs> Well, we don't either. What, what is this? Does this sound like what am mail to you? No, this is what am games. If you shake it, does it sound like minis are inside? If so, give it to me. If not, please hold on to it. There could be food in there, too. I don't want your food. I don't want food from strangers. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sealed food, not homemade food. Twinkies. They just send a bunch of Twinkies. I don't know, man. Somebody might be putting razor blades in your apples. <gasps> I'll, I'll check them for you. Could yeah? Would Long you day. would you please check the razor blade apples for me? Absolutely. Speaking of razor blade apples, Kurt, why don't you tell me yeah. about your fails and wins of the week? Have <laughs> 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 so you got you loaded that segue? You now people are going to expect a totally different story. All right, so I actually have a fail that leads into a, a win. Sort of my fail of the week was. Uh, basically, my, my, my Tuesday night game kind of died and imploded. And uh, it was a bunch of factors. I'm not going to say it's, it's any one thing. Like, uh, I, I okay, so first off, let me let me go back a little bit. It was all Kevin's I fault. I have role-played with... There, there is no Kevin in the group. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have role-played on Tuesday night, every Tuesday night, the same DM every Tuesday night since about 1998. So right after high school, like 25 years-ish, they've had a game going every single Tuesday. And it's multiple campaigns. It's not one game that's been going for 25 years. It's, you know, a game lasts for anywhere from a year to two, and then that game ends, and we move on to the next character, and move on to the next character, et cetera, et cetera. We've lost players and gained players and shifted people out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we have been playing a game that started during the COVID shutdown. Like, our, our, our normal game basically ground to a halt because we had the, the pandemic and went on lockdown and played two or three more games online of that game. And then we're like, eh, okay, we're not going to meet in person for maybe a long time. So let's start a new campaign. And we brought in my brother who is disabled and can't leave the house to go to games. So it got him gaming again. We have played for just over a year. And last Tuesday, it pretty much was at a point where like, 
everyone was just kind of like in a foul mood and we weren't going anywhere with the game. Again, it was multiple issues on multiple boards. Like some of the players didn't quite mesh. We had one character who was very much like a coward. You know, the two characters were very much like charging forward to fight. And so coward would like throw a spell on round one and then disappear and then sit out for three or four rounds while just two players fought the monster alone, which did not work very well. And then this game was a very wide open game, a very sandboxy game, you might say. There were no story hooks and nothing. It's like, oh, you guys just got to pick what you want to do and go do it. And we're like, yeah, but we don't know why we're doing it because there's nothing going on except for here's a mystery. Something happened in the past. And now here's five clues. But these five clues go to three other mysteries you don't, don't even know about. It very much became a the dm wasn't really putting effort into it the players weren't attached to anything and so the fail was we all sat there and went this sucks but no one wanted to say it sucked out loud then when the game ended basically all, we have a, a facebook private group where we talk about game and it was like this is just crap and the dm's like well you know i got these two other games that i i pitched you back in january because he likes to likes to run a game for about six months and then six months into whatever current game we're playing he then starts pitching the ideas for the campaign that'll be in another six months to a year, you know, just so he can stay ahead of the game. Um, so he's like, I pitched you guys like some games back in January. Maybe you want to think about that. And none of us talked to each other, but after like two days, we all unanimously voted to move on to the next game. And that's where the win comes in. So the fail was we all just were miserable and no one said why we were miserable and we let this game die because no one really complained because we were all happy just to be playing every week, even though no one was having a lot of fun doing it. So that was the fail. The win... However, was uh, we had two campaign ideas, and uh, one of them, one of the things was the game where it was Hunters Hunted. Uh, basically, the world is is a crappy place. People are not evil. Overlords are in charge of the country, and people who fight the monsters and adventure and try to make life better are basically villainized and propagandized. So you, know, you could be this adventurer who freaking slays Dracula, but the peasants hate you for doing it. And uh, back in January, I made a joke about me and my buddy playing Sam and Dean Winchester, but we'd also mix in Brothers Grimm and Van Helsing. And my brother's like, oh, I'm going to play a fallen Asimov who's a paladin of, I forgot the name of it. It's a paladin oath where like basically you just destroy everything in your path. Oh, it, It's a paladin oath of that, but I also want to mix in Sorcerer so I can get the like uh, favored soul and uh, the, the Sorcerer origin. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I'm like, so you're like a fallen angel. So you're kind of like our Castiel. So I made a joke like, okay, it's Sam Dean and Castiel, Supernatural. And everybody hates us because they hate hunters. And this joke was made back in January and it just died and didn't think about it. And then um, all of a sudden my game imploded. And it's like, okay, come up with a character right now. What are you guys going to play? And as a joke, I brought back up the joke again. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Sam Dean and Castiel. And my brother's like, no, no, it's Castiel and Crowley in one figure because he's an asshole. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so it's it's Crowley, who's our moral compass, and it's Sam and Dean, who are like dark, edgy, goddamn, everybody hates us, but we're still going to fight monsters because we hate monsters. And uh, just this Tuesday, he had no idea what we were going to do, and DM's like, okay, I'm making this world go live. You have to make characters now on the spot with no, no thinking other than the joke you just made. And I proceeded to start making a character that I've already fallen in love with, even though I haven't got to play him yet. So that's my win. My win is like I have made this character who is very, very cool, at least to me. And it had that basis of Van Helsing, uh, Van Riken, uh, Dean Winchester, all kind of rolled up into one ball with my fallen angel buddy and my d big dumb brute, who's not my brother because we didn't do the, the Winchester's his brothers thing. But the group dynamic is still like the small, nasty, fighty guy 
big, tall, lumbering guy and the fallen angel jerk guy. So it's 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 an interesting combo, and I'm super excited to uh, play the character. And we might have two old players coming back to the game. So I'm very, very excited. I can't wait to hear the stories from this. I, I hope you uh, bring them to the, the podcast. And be sure to make some stories, too. You know, cause some chaos. <laughs> There are two things that I really love about that story, Kurt. One is that it sounds like you guys all learned a good lesson about communication, because I feel like the best games that I've played are the ones where there's a lot of dialogue between the players and the DM. It's like, okay, what's working? What's not working? What do you want to accomplish? Where do you want to go? So like that's that's awesome. And I love that you guys didn't let that snafu get in the way of your love for gaming and your enjoyment of each other. You have to understand our group, like I said, this group's been together for almost 25 years. Um, Same DM, buddy Rob runs this game 25 years. Uh, I'm playing, my brother played in the past, then came back. Uh, The other guy I'm playing with uh, is is like the youngest member of the group. So many times we've had communication issues and like we've had to sit down and have like heart to heart chats. Like now this game isn't working or we've negotiated all sorts of stuff. Like like we've literally had where one of my uh, other sessions where one of my other brothers actually took off his shoes, threw them at the DM and then left the game. (laughs) So like, like, like... We've been friends since high school, which was, you know, even further back. We've been playing Tuesdays. So it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Crazy group. I just think, I just feel like the term for like getting a shoe thrown at you is like you've been bushed just because <laughs> you got shoes thrown at him. I, like that. I, I, might, I might try to adopt that. <laughs> um, That's good. That's good. I, I really, I really do love that, uh, that, com- that sense of like camaraderie. Um, but, you know, while Kurt and his friends were uh, in their basement fighting the Demigorgon, Jane, you and I were nine years old. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> oh, don't, don't forget that I started gaming in 1989. When like I was born. Really the year I was born. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like September-ish. Oh. Yep, yep. So we were both yeah, around. So I was, I was uh, three months old at that point. <laughs> Sometimes six September months old. and November of 1989 was the first time I ever played a D and D game. Oh, wow. And then I, you know, and then I, I started running games in April of 1990. My uncle moved in, gave me all of his first edition books, and that's when I started running. How could you possibly run games when we were babies? <laughs> You weren't in my group at that time, you know. Huh? Shh, don't don't make this more complicated than it needs to be. Time travel. One of those time travel. Like, that's that's genius baby. Genius baby. A genius baby. Genius baby. Yeah. Do I look like Alec Baldwin to you? All right. <laughs> so Jane, I wanna hear your fails. No, we're gonna get copyright struck for that. <laughs> yep. Shit. Yeah. No. 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 Can't do that. Um. Just one <laughs> long bleep. <laughs> anyway. Uh. So my my fail this week. Uh. A little bit of backstory. As I mentioned before, Mike and I have been friends for a really long time, and uh, he and my wife did some covert collaborating this year for my Valentine's Day present. I was gifted uh, the Triumph of St. Catherine, which is a fantastic model um, from uh, the Games Workshop uh, Sisters of Battle, the Adeptus Sororitas. I so rarely said that out loud, I didn't realize how many R's there were. Anyway, 
Um, so I've been, I've been putting this model together and it's really delightful. I don't play sisters. I don't plan on collecting a sister's army. So I'm just making it for a nice display piece and a, an opportunity to push myself and my painting skills. I was just going to interject and say that and you know, like whenever I come over and I feel like fielding sisters, I'll be like, let me borrow that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's true. It is. It is definitely going to be available for uh, when Mike gets his sister's army up off the ground. Anyway, I I made a couple little boo boos that I was able to recover, but I'm going to share them now because they are cautionary tales. So first of all, uh, I've been using the uh, Tamaya thin extra thin plastic cement, which is an incredible product. If you're not careful with it, it can uh, go in places that you are not intending because it is, when they say extra thin, they mean it. It's really, you know, barely thicker than water. It's a fantastic product, but I was holding together the front half and the back half of one of these little robed figures. And uh, when I pulled my hand off, I realized that some of the cement had gotten where I didn't want to get. And so now there was, you know, a very fine thumbprint impression on the back of this uh, robe. I hate that. Yeah. Luckily, I did not, I did not let it, um, I did not let it get to me. I used my mind and I said, ah, if this cement put this thumbprint here, perhaps the cement can take it away. So I literally just took took the little brush and started brushing out the back of the ropes. And, you know, what the hell have I got to lose? I did manage to kind of erase the thumbprint. That stuff totally works like that. I love that. Yeah. You're able to like, because I've got to be very I, careful. Small though, things, I fix it. Service. Uh, yeah exactly um it's so thin if you're just using the brush that is like just soaked with it and and you you know dab it off so that you don't have a lot of excess then you won't worry about it running away from you if you're just trying to brush off a thing you're basically just flicking it's, the... it's, it's, it's not just the running away it's, it's literally like put too much on you will melt surface detail so yeah i would not i would not have tried if it was not like a cloth expanse but in this case you know, melting surface details was literally what I wanted to do because I had accidentally put some on there. <laughs> so it, it worked. It worked pretty well. So that was that was fail number one. Be careful with your plastic cement. And then fail number two. One of these figures in the processional here has a little bit of a, a crown tiara situation. I don't know. Anyway, it is it's its own, you know, single separate piece. And it's very small. And I don't know how this happened exactly if I, you know, didn't clip it off the sprue correctly. It didn't it didn't go flying off, which was, you know, a win. But when I applied a little bit of pressure to pop it off, I snapped the thing right in half. And again, luckily, my uh, my extra thin plastic cement here is the hero of this story because I was able to get it right back together. But, uh, you know, the moral of that story is, you know, for God's sake, especially with your fiddly bits, be careful when you're getting them off the sprue. Indeed. Oh, yeah. Yep. So so those those are my those are my two fails. Um, but like I said, I recovered from them and my very expensive Valentine's Day present is still usable. Now for my win, uh, my other active painting project right now is I've been working on uh, some of the Blade Guard veterans uh, that you can find in the Indominus box. And I love these models. 
They are so fun. I love the poses. I love all the little details. Uh, the one thing that I don't love about them, partly because I'm just not really sure how I want to paint them and have them look nice at my skill level, is um, the backs of the shields have like the power sword nodules on there. And I've tried a couple of different things and uh, I haven't really liked any of them. So I've kind of gone over these shields a couple times and I'm still not satisfied with them. But my win here is that I was able to shift my mindset from thinking these shields have to be perfect to why don't I just play around? And if I like what I come up with, great. And if I don't like it, I'll fix it as best I can and not worry about it too much. Just making that realization and shifting my mind like that turned this from being a stressful part of a project to being a very like relaxing, joyous part because I allowed myself to have more of a sense of play instead of a sense of perfection. So I'm calling that a big old win for this week. If you could accept mistakes and little failures, it makes life a lot easier. I like recently cut the barrel off a gun by mistake and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, it still looks good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It happens. Yep. Or you drop something in the carpet, eats it, and you never find it again. You're like, oh, this new fool is called left because he doesn't have a left arm. Because he doesn't have a right arm. It's fine. I can deal with it. I don't care. I think a good tip just you mentioned the carpet thing uh, a good tip is just don't put your models together over carpet just do it somewhere else <laughs> okay so like i put them together over my desk sometimes they hit the desk and then decide to jump 30 feet to the left and disappear into the carpet so, no no i know that's what i mean I, I'm, I'm saying like i'm saying like don't do it in a room that has carpet do it on a hardwood floor oh, room sorry that i don't use my kitchen <laughs> well, I don't either. I don't either, but my whole entire downstairs is hardwood, uh, other than the kitchen. No, I, I'm so wall to wall carpet. If you're going to have a section where you're going to know you're going to be doing minis, you might as well buy one of those mats that your chair can roll around on so you don't lose your stuff in the carpet. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of ideas. Because we well, got a carpet in the living room now. We just got a new one. And like, it's an area, right? and i'm losing shit and, and it's not even that like deep of a carpet either and, and i still lose things so quickly and easily if i'm assembling them because that's basically where i was stuck during covid was sitting over that assembling minis in my living room i think uh next time i'm doing some assembly i've got a little uh folding felt dice tray that i use i uh i got some i got some nice you know some of those stone polyhedral dice a little while ago so it came with a nice little felt dice tray so that they didn't, uh, you know, dent whatever I was rolling them on. So I might, uh, I might try using that to uh, catch my bits next time. We'll see how that goes. Could work. Because you know, yeah, we've we've all been there. You know, this stuff bounces even even when there's no carpet. You know, it'll just it'll just vanish, slip into a parallel dimension. Or you clip something wrong and it goes flying, like literally. Like when I said thirty feet, that was a joke. But oh yeah, you clip something right. No, it, yeah, I've had things go about that far before. That's not that's not an exaggeration. You're you're not you're not overly selling that. It's ridiculous sometimes. But what I was gonna say is you have to be careful with felt and adhesives. So just be careful with glue over that. Ah yes, right. Because uh, of course it's probably uh, it's probably synthetic. We'll destroy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that'll. It'll be our next quest, finding a, a good tray. But your your fail and win of the week, Mike. Yeah, let's have it. I don't really know if I have a win so much this week, other than I'll get to it at the end. I guess it's a small victory. A while back, I had bought an Infiltrator and Cursor box for my Blood Angels. 
and I had set them up in a like sub-assembly manner where like the bodies were finished. I didn't put any of the detail, like any of the extra pouches, knives, grenades, whatever. None of that was on them. Uh, the arms weren't on them, all because I thought that would make it easier to paint. And I set this all up a long time ago. So I started painting it and I was, I think my, la my last win of the week was how excited and well done the first set of batch painting on their armor was. Well, the fail is, is I should have glued the arms on. Getting color matching for arms is, I, I just couldn't perfectly recreate what I did with the other stuff, even though I did everything in the same steps that I had done before. Um, it's probably just because they are smaller surfaces. So like the contrast paint through the airbrush, it didn't have as much surface to go over. The colors weren't meshing. I, it got to a point where one or two of the arms had so much paint on them that the details were starting to look and like they were getting washed out or like the guy got stung by a bee and things were just <laughs> swollen everywhere. It was infuriating, and because I had painted everything, I didn't want to sand off contact points to properly use cement. So I used super glue, and super glue is the worst. Uh. The only way to apply super glue properly is if you know where you're gonna have it go. And you can put the little dab of, you know, the accelerant on one end and then the dab of super glue on the other end and then you meet and they instantly adhere. You know, that's that's the only real way you can do super glue because otherwise you have no working time with it. And when you do have working time with it, it's super messy and it gets everywhere and you can't reposition it and it just if you need to reposition something and you try and snap it off, it just pulls all the paint off that's underneath it. And it's, eh, I, I'm just, I'm like so frustrated because the arms are now like acceptable. Like that's my win, I guess, is kind of like getting it to be acceptable. At the three foot rule, they look fine. Like they look okay, but any closer than that and you start seeing where it starts falling apart. Like, like I said, those bee sting looking like swollen too much paint on the stuff. And I tried to get some of it off, but it, the whole exercise of this was to teach myself to batch paint and do this quickly because they're in cursors. They're troop choices. I just wanted to get them done. The, the win is, like I said, I now have them fully assembled with all their little bells and whistles on except the backpacks those won't be an issue because those are they have a very like forgiving area to put glue but it's very difficult to to do those so my lesson from this and like another win would be that lesson is for me i can't do sub-assembly i need to have them all assembled up front because as soon as i start putting paint on it i don't want to introduce glue my hands shake far too much to be futzing around with glue, super glue, cement, whatever. It doesn't matter what kind of glue, any type of adhesive, because it's going to mess up the paint. So I, I really need to get it all on there to begin with and then, you know, uh, sort it out after that and paint all the individual parts after that. Honestly, if you're just trying to get them out there to be tabletop ready and, and batch painted, sub-assembly is a waste of your time. That's just... You don't need to paint every detail on a troop choice that is going to be your quick paint, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that for sure for uh, for troops, especially because, you know, you got you, you got a lot of them. And I would I would definitely call that a win, Mike. I'm sorry that that uh, knowledge came with such a frustrating price for you, but I think it's it's pretty invaluable going forward. 
I agree. I also just, you know, like uh, when I went back, some of the arms were not matched up right. And we're coming from a guy who's used to doing like the uh, tactical marine assemblies where I could literally just have a tray of arms, a tray of guns, a tray of bodies, a tray of legs and a tray of heads. And I could just stick them all together as much as I want, whatever order I want, however I want. Uh, Apparently during the painting process, some of the arms got mixed up. So some of the poses aren't the way they're supposed to be, but I am happy happy with the way the poses turned out because they do look interesting but trying to get the specific arms onto those guns now is more of a pain than it ever has been and i just like i i i really wish they did not make it so that the hand was molded to the gun and that you had to apply the arm into the hand socket that's the most ridiculous thing to me just make the hand (laughs) so i could just rest the gun in it it makes it so much easier I just wanted to say one last thing on this is that with super glue and doing a two-handed weapon onto a model, with super glue, you don't have the extended dry time of cement to reposition the arms and get them just right so that everything matches up evenly and everything like that. If you're using super glue to put on arms, period, painted, unpainted, doesn't matter. It's, it's much more challenging. You don't have any leeway in doing it. So, you know, I tried to attach the arms uh, together onto the guns first and then put them both on together and that worked the best, but it's not ideal because you can definitely tell in some places that that's not how it's supposed to be done. So your story brought up uh, two callbacks for me. The first one is to a product from, uh, I think, the first podcast. I have those bottles with the needle tips on them, which I still have one sitting at the store waiting for you. Your whole story, you know, putting the glue on one side and the uh, catalyst on the other side. Well, that works awesome. It does give you zero time to work with. You put glue on both sides and then the shoulder together, then you could literally just tap the needle tip to the crevice, the the, the, bot, the joint, and it would suck the uh, catalyst right in and freeze it at that moment. So That actually didn't work for me. And I'll tell you what happened with that. Because what happened with that the first time I tried that, the stuff ended up seeping down because I guess there I had too much super glue, even though I really didn't put that much on there, but apparently it was enough for it to run on me. And when the catalyst came down, it just hardened a big chunk of super glue onto the side of the model. Like I, like, I get, I get that it could work, and I, and I would like to try it, but I also was just like at my wits' end with that project, and I just wanted to get them together and couldn't figure out like how to get that trick to work. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. The other throwback is it goes actually back to Jason Craze again. <laughs> he does not do sub-assemblies. He builds the whole model. He's like, you know what? If I can't physically see it, I don't have to paint that part. So why do I need it in sub-assembly so I can paint the inside of the arm when I'm going to glue it on and you can't see the inside of the arm? So Well, mo- like what I'm learning now is yeah, that like, most I, miniature painters, when they do a sub-assembly, the parts are to, to avoid having like o- getting overbrushed from other parts. People who do like backpacks and capes and keep the, the miniature in halves and then they paint the legs and all the detail up the back and then they put a cape or a backpack on it and all the detail they paint it on the back is completely gone. You can't see it. They're like, oh yeah, sub-assemblies. And I'm like, what's really the point there? That's all I'm saying. I went from a phase of, of never doing sub-assemblies to trying to do sub-assemblies and now I'm starting to go back to like, if I have like a head, like a really good head on a good mini I, I will paint the head separate and then glue it into the body otherwise pretty much assemble everything and paint it as is so what you see is what you see 
and you only paint what you see. I've been actually like separate. I've never put the back backpacks are the only thing I keep in as a sub assembly for the Space Marines. And again, that's an overbrushing thing, not a worrying about the detail on the back thing. Because, you know, like my guys are main red. They're just red all over. And then the backpack, the way I like to do the backpacks is very like metallic and black. So I do them separately and then glue them on just so that I don't I get any that. of that like overbrush of metallic onto the red. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, that's the main reason I have my Marines in subassembly now because my stupid convoluted color scheme that looks so great um, is blue, blue bodies and then, oh no, like I, I do really love it, but, uh, I just, I didn't realize when I was choosing it that it would necessitate, you know, keeping things separate because the, the heads, the arms and the backpacks are white. Everything else is a kind of blue teal. Some, some of them I'm keeping separate, but I keep them separate because, you know, white over anything is difficult as we've discussed and, you know, fixing your mistakes on top of white after it's all been painted is as much of a pain in the ass. I probably wouldn't have chosen this, you know, in retrospect, but it will be very cool when I have, you know, an army's worth of, of these bicolor Marines. Thank you. Appreciate that. With white, like we've been recommended. I have not personally tried it yet. I have a bottle. Jane just said he picked up a bottle of it. I am very eager to hear in the coming weeks, Jane, if you use it, let me know how that Liquitex Titanium White works. Because it's uh, yes, ink, I will. Uh, it, it seems, yeah. yeah, it seems like it's pigmented I, very heavily, but month. not chunky. How is it? Here's the thing. I have not been using it straight. I, I think I talked about this in our first podcast, but I'll bring it up again. I bought the Liquitex White ink. Thinking like, oh, I can't just paint white ink on this stuff, but you actually can. Let, let, let me let me go back a phase because we're talking about two different things. So I'm t- <laughs> I have I have Liquitex heavy body titanium white in a tube, and I have Liquitex titanium white acrylic ink, which comes in a glass bottle with a dropper. I have a dropper bottle, and in that dropper bottle, I have an inch or so of titanium white heavy body acrylic paint which again is like a paste. Then what I did was I thinned it with white titanium ink instead of water. And that's the white that I have been using for everything right now. And it is pretty glorious. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I remember you bringing that up. Yeah, that's really smart. I'm getting more and more comfortable with my tools as I learn this hobby. And, you know, paints are part of my toolkit. But I, you know, I still get a little nervous every now and then. Like, I'm going to completely screw it up and not be able to ever fix it. (laughs) (laughs) You can always fix it. It is really difficult to break out of that very precious mentality. And that's, that's why my win was what it was this week is because I was able to do that. Like, you know, at the end of the day, unless you're painting something that's, you know, super duper expensive or out of production or something like if you really ruin a mini, you can get another one. But I I can't imagine like anything happening that would be completely unsalvageable for, you know, where any of us are at. Yeah, sure. You say you could get another one, but not when I've wasted all my goddamn money on all these Necrons. (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you got to sell your crack to support your crack habit. You know, that's just how it goes. I will never. I have. Oh, my God. I have like three or four minis that I cannot conceptually think of ever really using because they're like I have too many copies of them or whatever. Uh And I still hold on to them in the hopes that I might be able to kit bash them into something I need because I have like a bunch of the upgrade sprues for the Blood Angels. And I also have a 
bunch of assault intercessors that are not mm. doing anything right now. I, you know, but I'm thinking like maybe I could, you know, put on some different arms and stuff, get some Cromlech bits for my assault intercessors and make them death company as well. That was quite a talk and, and I thoroughly enjoyed everything we covered today. Kurt, where can we find your stuff? Uh, my Twitter handle is Dathar. Right. And Jane, where can we find your work? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram as MJWESQ. Uh, me, you can find my work here. You can also find more episodes of other stuff on What Am Games YouTube page. And uh, yeah, we, we'd love to hear from you. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Have a good one.